Hey, ¿qué pasa, Calexico? Welcome back to the podcast. Um, like always, before I begin, I want to thank my sponsors. I want to thank Sergio and Jake. Thank you guys for being for sponsoring the podcast. I really appreciate it. And just a reminder, guys, that if you want to become a sponsor of the podcast, uh, make sure to check the link in the description of the podcast of this episode. It's it's on all the episodes. There's a link there that you can go out there and, and sponsor the podcast. Even a dollar a month helps a lot. Um, so, yeah, I really appreciate it. Um, today's guest, I'm really excited because, um, you know, it's an honor because he's, uh, I guess one of the biggest Hispanic cartoonists, art instructors, producers, co-founders, co-founder of the Latino Comic Expo. Today's guest is Mr. Javier Hernandez. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Jose. It's, uh, looking forward to hitting Calexico next week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. For those of you who don't know. Which, um, if you don't know, then um, you're probably living under a rock. But next weekend on the 15th is um, the Imper the third annual Imperial Valley um, Comic Con. So um, shout out to Ruben Najera for, you know, he's the, I guess, the guy that, that has been putting this on for the past couple of years. Um, you can also find, a, find him at MetaHumans in El Centro. So, um, yeah, shout out to uh, to um, <laughs> Ruben. Yeah, Ruben Najera. Um, I always wanna. I always like to start my, my podcast with uh, my guests telling us a little bit about themselves. Can you tell us a little bit of, um, of you know you growing up and how you got into comics and stuff like that? Yeah, uh, well, like the like the movie says, the song says, I was born in East LA, um, and we moved over to this uh, town called Whittier nearby uh, years ago. But uh, yeah, my parents are. Uh, Immigrants. Oh, my mom was from Mexico. My dad was born uh, in Redlands, and as a child, um, he moved down to Mexicali, actually, not far from where you guys are. Oh, wow. so, yeah. So we pretty much almost just say, yeah, we're, we're son of immigrants because you know he pretty much raised most of his childhood and young adulthood there in Mexico. That's where he met my mom. They got married, and then they moved to East LA, where my dad had his family. So, um, my, so yeah, I got that back that background in my family where like half the family from my mom's side is, you know, from Mexico, you know, Guadalajara, Sinaloa. And then the other half, my dad's side is like Puro East LA. So yeah. I got that really, it's a real Mexican, Mexican American, um, mishmash. Um, but you know, me and my siblings, we grew up pretty much, you know, all American kids in, fa in the fact that, you know, we're watching American TV and, you know, going to schools here and everything. So, It's a nice up. It was a good upbringing as far as like having that Mexican cultural background, but also uh, like for me growing up in the 70s, this wonderful age of, um, you know, comic books, you know, 25 cent comics at the local 7-Eleven, um, all the TV you could you could watch on your days off from school or home from school. I mean, everything from the old Batman TV show, the old Spider-Man cartoon, Speed Racer, and then the new stuff at the time. um Incredible Hulk on TV, Bionic Man, all that stuff. So, you know, all, all that stuff, and like any artist, all that stuff is going to inform you later as an artist. And definitely, you know, I guess we'll talk about that later, but a lot of that stuff definitely goes in my uh, my big stew, my big menudo of yeah. cultural. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, you say you grew up watching um, a lot of, you know, uh, Spider-Man, Bionic Man, all this, but is, was there any... Um, Um, like uh, Hispanic TV that you watch that kind of um, kind of like has bled into your art or whatever or, you know everything that you're doing today. Yeah, um, 
Well, as far as the programs, I watched, so as a kid, you know, we'd sit there with the parents and watch um, Chapulín Colorado and uh, Siempre en Domingo, all those shows, um, you know, some telenovelas once in a while. And, you know, I would sit there and watch it and enjoy it, whatever. But uh, it was really the Lucha Libre on um, here in L.A. at the L.A. market on Channel 34, which I think is still a Spanish uh, network, a Mexican network. They used to have the uh, lo local wrestling show from the Olympic Auditorium downtown Los Angeles. So I used to watch on Wednesday night, you'd watch the wrestling show in Spanish with the Spanish announcers. And then on Saturday from the same Olympic Auditorium, mm -hmm. you'd have the American announcers calling the matches. So it was pretty cool. Um, so that's where I found out about this man called Mil Mascaras. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the, what do they call him, the Holy Trinity, right? It's Mascaras, El Santo, and Blue Demon. Mm -hmm. um, but Mascaras came on the radar because he was always, you know, he was, he'd wrestle at the Olympic Auditorium. So I don't know if I, I don't remember if I saw him in person, but I remember seeing him on TV and then, of course, the old wrestling magazines. Like, so that's where I started learning about, you know, the mask Mexican wrestler. Like, wow, they walk around in Mexico with the mask all the time. Like, yeah. there's this, I still have it in my head is this famous picture of Mil Mascaras. I guess he's in Japan and it's from the side of him, but he's wearing like just a regular t-shirt with the collar. He's got his mask and he's in a Japanese noodle shop and he's just like taking a spoonful of noodles and you can see him looking at the camera guy on, you know, taking his picture. Yeah. It's like, wow, it's a superhero. Like Mexico has real superheroes. Unlike here, we only have him on TV shows there. They walk around with their mask and they fight crime, you know, fight crime and they wrestle and fight if yeah. you're santo they fight demons and vampire women and all that cool stuff you so. know what I, I i mean i do remember growing up watching you know the santos of contra las momias de guanajuato whatnot but i oh. never i never saw it as you know real live action heroes you know and it's true i mean you would see them on tv uh fighting and then you would see them fighting you know monsters and then you could see them walking out in the streets with their masks. I mean, it's the first time that it, you know, it's blowing my mind. Like, wow, it's true. Like, it is. It's a good way to see the, you know, that that um, crossover from the TV to like real life. It was like it's crazy. I, I mean, there, especially if you're, was, especially if you're reading comic books as a kid and you're like, okay, Peter Parker and all that stuff. But like in Mexico, they're real. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's the first time. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's crazy. Never thought about. It. And I was a big Lucha Libre fan. Um, you know, as a kid, I grew up. Um, I was born in LA, then we came to Calexico when I was around eight. So from that time on, um, you know, I was watching, um, you know, Mexican TV because, you know, we have border yeah. next. So we would pick up more, if you didn't have cable, you would pick up more uh, Mexican ch on channels than you would, unless you had a really good antenna, you would pick up, you know, most yeah. of them. So like, yeah, would, you know, Saturday mornings was like, or I can't remember Saturday or Sunday mornings, it was like Lucha Libre. And I remember like, uh, going to Mexicali and buying like posters and I had bunch of posters from these luchadores and it never you know i never saw it that way maybe because i never saw one in person right but, but um yeah maybe if i would have seen one i would have been like oh shit you know it's a it's an actual live action you know hero like here in the flesh but yeah it's a good yeah. it's, it's a good way to to see it um so what was um from the comics you watch and the tv you watch um what was one of your favorite um superheroes growing up well, as a kid, definitely a Spider-Man, um, because as a kid, my brother had given me his collection of comics, and he had some reprints from like 1970, 71, where Marvel would reprint older issues. So that's where I found out about these uh, 
the early comics from Stan Lee and artist Steve Ditko. And like, I mean, it's a Spider-Man character that I love, but it's really, I think it's because that interpretation from that particular artist, Steve Ditko, just the way he drew him and the way he told the stories, you know, with his visual storytelling and such. Um, but, you know, I liked all the comics as a kid, Iron Man, you know, Daredevil, Batman, Thor. Um, and then, you know, a lot of others, a lot of other shows and stuff. And then, you know, as you get older, it's like, what am I going to do in life? You know, so I'd always wanted to do comics or I had thought of it for, you know, on and off for years. But, you know, back then, maybe to say the 80s, like there was not any really comic book uh, schools or, or there wasn't comic book courses in college like there is now yeah um there was one school back east the joe kubert school of art comic book art but you know from a kid in whittier it's like well new york you know new jersey that's like going to paris i'm never gonna get there yeah um so i did i didn't really pursue the comics um because i didn't really have any reference point as far as like uh education of it other than self-education but it just didn't seem like a likely thing for me at least um but by the time the 90s came around and, you're, you know, at this point you're starting to push 30, it's like, okay, you know, I got a good job. I'm an art director at a graphic design screen printing company. But the money's good. You got health insurance. is important. But you're not doing what you really, really want to, you know, what you remember as a kid. So in 1998, I ended up publishing my first issue of El Muerto. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get into El Muerto, there's a couple of things that I want to um... – Sure. Let me see. You know, let's yeah, let's just let's just go into El Muerto. Um, tell us a little bit about El Muerto. Who is El Muerto, and how how did it come about? Yeah, so you know, by the by the early by the midnight yeah mid nineties, it's like okay, I got to do something for it with the comic. I got to make my own comic because at this point, the Teen Change Mutant Ninja Turtle comic was like a, a legend, right? Like yeah. these two guys working in their studio in their living room made this comic and it becomes this huge media empire, you know, uh, toys, cartoons, movies, video games, even today. Um, but I wasn't looking for that. I'm, I'm still like, Oh, I want to create my own media empire. But like, yeah, I want to make my own comic. And guys like Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, a lot of other people, tons of people, you know, they showed that you can make your own comics for yourself mm. or, you know, own it basically because yeah. there's working at a comic company you know, like everybody I'm sure is aware of, they're working on Batman, Wonder Woman, Justice League, whatever. Or there's working on your own property that you own and you control and um, a lot of struggles with that. But that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to just create my own characters and own them. And at the same time, I had wanted to do a Latino character because back in 98, there was already some people who had done work in comics, self-publishing their own Latino characters like Love and Rockets, uh, the Hernandez brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, no relation to me, Jaime and Beto. Mm-hmm. They had done their Love and Rockets comics featuring their cast of, uh, you know, Latina, Latino characters. Um, there was other sporadic ones. There was one in the 70s called El Relampago by uh, Judge Margarita Garza. I hope I got his name right. Judge Garza, I think. Mm-hmm. He had done, like, I think it's credited as the first self-published uh, Mexican comic, Mexican superhero comic by a Mexican-American. This was in the I think early mid seventies. So anyway, so by the time the nineties came around, there was other people already doing comics like this, uh, friends of mine, people I had, I met at conventions. So I thought, okay, let me make up my own character, self publish it and just give this, uh, comics thing a go. So, um, so El Muerto, it's basically, it's this young man, his name's Diego de la Muerte. 
he's born on Day of the Dead, coincidentally. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, a guy called Diego de la Muerte born on Day of the Dead, what a guest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on, his tw- on his 21st birthday, uh, he gets killed in a car accident, and then he's subsequently resurrected by the Aztec god of death and the god of destiny, Miklantagutli and Tezcatlipoca. Um, so, you know, coming up with the idea, I knew I'd wanted to do something with, like, Aztec mythology, which you very hardly ever saw, in, like, in the media back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to do something with the Day of the Dead folklore, which, again, back in the 90s, I mean, you didn't see too much of that in the media. I mean, it was already an institution throughout the, um, you know, Mexican-American communities in the Southwest and, of course, in Mexico. But um, this is a good 20 years before our beloved movie Coco or Book of Life and all those great things. Yeah. Um, so that's basically what the story is and kind of why I wanted to put that out there in the world. Um, so is it important for you to, um, show like in your, in your art and in your stories, um, like the Mexican, Mexican, uh, background and your culture and, 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 you know, all this mythology, is it important for you to, to, um, you know, to make it a focal point when you write a story or, or, or make a comic or a superhero? Yeah. Especially for my first one. Um, because I, like, like I told you, we talked about, I grew up loving all that other stuff that I watched as a kid. Batman and, you know, Iron Man, Spider-Man. But at one point, you know, you're going through your 20s and 30s, you just start, at least I, I was, you get this sense of your own identity and, you know, you know, but, you know, how you grew up. Like, hey, I grew up in a house speaking Spanish, watching Spanish programming, Spanish music all the time, along with my American pop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't see that reflected in the comics. So I figured, okay, well, I, you know, I experienced the Mexican-American uh culture i may as well put that in a comic because i'm doing my own thing right yeah. i don't really have to answer to somebody i don't have to ask an editor hey is this marketable you know i didn't really care or know any better if it was marketable i just looked at it like i just got to get that out there so and to this that's 22 years ago and i still you know i'm still doing more comics i've done other characters um but yeah it's always important for me to like try to make him uh latino mexican-american i've done other type of characters as well but um but yeah, at this point, it's just something I'm going to continue doing. Uh, and, you know, it's so nice that nowadays, today, is like there's so many more uh, Latino, Latino Americans doing their own, uh, you know, culturally specific comics of whatever it could be. It could be biographical, historical, it could be superhero mm-hmm. fantasy, whatever. But they, you look at the today's younger creators are definitely interested in, um, you know, expressing a part of their culture, whether they're from the Caribbean, South America, um, Latin America, where, you know, Afro Latin, whatever. Yeah. It's good. Do you, it's good course of voices. Do you consider yourself a Chicano? You know what? I, I got asked that on another podcast or interview one time. And I had to tell the guy like respectfully, like I, I don't really call myself that only because I have respect for that word. And at least the way I grew up, Chicano always seemed to be like uh, people very active politically and uh, sociologically, you know. So I figured, yeah, you know, I don't think I, I don't really do, I don't really go out and do that. I do it more from a creative aspect. So, I mean, if people call identify me as Chicano, I don't sit there and say, no, no, no. But I myself don't, just again, out of respect for, I think, for the people who did all that marching, all that, you know, you know, seriously trying to make, uh, uh, political and uh, social justice changes. So, um, 
but you know, Latino, Mexican American. I've been called in another interview. I love this guy. He called me um, what he called me, uh, the All American Mexican. I go, that's interesting. Uh, <laughs> interesting little tagline. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's 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 a good old because yeah, I'm. I've interviewed in, in the past year. I interviewed a couple of people that you know are in the movement and stuff like that. Yeah, and and um. I guess just trying to like myself sometimes like I guess like you you've been saying that when you reach you reach a point in your life when you're like trying to um see w- w- what you know what you are what you represent and you know I guess I'm I'm in 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 that middle like you like um because of respect I don't really consider myself that because I don't um I'm not in that movement but I respect them for doing you know what they're doing um, right, but but yeah, I mean it, it, it's a good way to 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 put it. But yeah, I just wanted to get your your point uh, of view on that um, because it's it's I guess it's I've I've seen it more in like in, in when I go on Instagram and I see people doing art and stuff like that. I see a lot right. of people who are trying to express themselves, um, you know, their Latino roots, their Chicano roots, and stuff like that through the arts. Right. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to see um, because since you. You do um, put, uh, um, you know, our, uh, Mexican culture in your comics. Uh, I wanted to see if what your take was on on, on that, on that respect. So, some people looking at my work, um, I'm sure. I, I think I, I know they have. You know, somebody just oh, he's, he's a Chicano artist. He's doing Chicano work. Um, but you know, like I said, that's if that's how they interpret, that's fine. But I, I myself don't use it. Um, but yeah, a lot. Like you say, a lot. I think a lot of more, and it's always younger people. They're trying to reclaim that, which is great, you know. So, I'm just exploring my uh, my roots, I guess, to different avenues, more like um, the entertainment avenue, I guess, right? Yeah. Although I, I like to think the things I put out, there's a lot of things in those stories where you know, it's, I'm not just trying to do mindless, like a superhero thing, where just fighting bad guys and like that. There's nothing else to it. I try to give my characters a lot of real, like those old Spider-Man comics, real issues or to deal with like problems, relationship problems and, and things like that. Wrestling with different uh, things of identity and religion, fatalism, stuff like that. But at the same time, because it is comics and because of the comics I loved as a kid, you want to throw in a lot of interesting visuals, like, you know, really neat character designs, really interesting scenarios and, you know, really push it and kind of just go, try to go all out when you can visually. Yeah. And, and what better way that to show, uh, you know, the Mexican culture through, than through a comic book. Um, I mean, they did it with Coco and, you know, book of life. right? Yeah, now. absolutely. Um, can you tell us a little bit about of what, um, Los I mean, Com- great visual. Uh- can you tell us a little bit about what Los Comics is? Yeah, Los Comics. It's my uh, it's my imprint, my comic book uh, publishing company. People think it's like a giant corporation. Why well, you got your own company? But it's you know I publish under the name Los Comics. Uh, that's the brand name. That's my Marvel brand. That's my that's my Apple Los Comics. I came up with that name again when I did the I think when I did the first issue ninety eight maybe a year after. You know I wanted to, I wanted a name kind of sounded something something Latino about it. And I went through all these different ones, and then I just thought, well, comics, comic, comics. Okay, comics, C-O-M-E-X. Mm-hmm. Put the mechs in comics. <laughs> yeah, it's, no. it's like uh, Calexico is because um, Cal from California and Mexico from Mexico. 
No, exactly, exactly. That, that's what I took it from. It was inspired by Kaleiko and just that <laughs> mishmash. Um, is there any um Mexican like folk folklore story like I don't know like like La Llorona or any other stories that you would like to incorporate into one of your stories or? Well, so the the current comic I'm working on, Casa del Diablo. Um, this is my rough draft. Maybe I can, we can talk about that in a sec. But this is the second graphic novel where he's El Muerto meets a uh, Llorona character. Um, but I didn't want to just use La Llorona. So I made up my own character, um, La, La Doña Macaria La Dolente. <laughs> but yeah, she, she kills children and she's a terrible, frightening uh, specter. Um, oops, hang on. I'm going to have to plug in my... Uh... We're still on, right? I'm yeah. still on? Yeah, yeah. I just got. I got to put some battery juice in that phone, but I can do that while we're talking. So, yeah, the next book definitely touching the you know touching upon the Yorona uh, saga and um, hang on, mm-hmm. I don't give the the viewers a vertigo by moving the thing too much. <laughs> and okay, we're good. Um, so yeah, I'm working on that one. And then, like I said, in the in the in the first issue, the origin story, I, I just wanted to t- play with Aztec mythology, so bringing in like these gods. The God of Death, the God of Destiny, and um, I'll be bringing in more gods and the, the other stories, kind of like what they did with the, the Thor comic mm-hmm. at Marvel in the old days, bringing in the Norse gods, like their versions of it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I do with my stories. I kind of do a little research on the Aztec gods, but at the same time, it's like, well, I don't want to do like, I don't know what's the word. I'm not doing an autobiography on the gods, whereas I got to exactly follow what has been gone what's gone on before and then even then there's interpretations but so i kind of base it on that and i kind of re recreate it for what i need for my story but try to keep elements of the original god the aspects of that god um and then come out with a whole new thing that you know you created on your own so it's my version of the god of death my version of you know the god of beauty or whatever so so when um when can people see the uh second volume of el muerto Yeah, so I'm working on that. Um, I'll have a preview of it, which is like the first 30 pages of the story, in a couple of months at a at a show I'm going to announce later, and it should be up at the end of the year. The graphic novel. Okay. Yeah, because it's like 120 pages, I think. Oh. Wow. Um, yeah. How long does it take you normally you to go from like writing the story to do you do all the artwork on on the on the book? Like for example, on the first one, did you do all the artwork? Yeah, yeah. On all my stories, um, except maybe once, once or <clears throat> twice or three times, I work with other people on different things. But yeah, I write and draw everything. Um, everything you see in one of my comics is, is all, it's all me. The writing, the the the, the penciling, the inking. Oh wow! So um, the way I work, see how good this looks on film without showing too many. So so it's like out of 120 pages. This is like what I, I I actually start drawing the the comic. Okay. In rough draft form, so it's kind of sloppy. Mm-hmm. It's actually really sloppy, but that's all right. <laughs> and then, you know, so I'll draw the whole, all 120 pages, whatever. Oh, wow. And then I'll edit it like an editor. Mm-hmm. Like I'll throw out some pages or I'll redraw this page or, or I'll move some pages, you know, at the front and whatever. Editing. That's why they're all, if you look at them really close, these things are all like, they're all messy. They got chorizo stains on it. <laughs> they're rewritten. They're scribbled. <laughs> 
but that's your working draft, so you got to be messy with it, you know? Yeah. You can't be precious with m- much of your art. You just got to get it out there. Um, so it could take a while. I mean, we're talking <coughs> we're talking graphic novel, where it's like 120, 130, 40 pages. Mm-hmm. So at least a year, at least for me it does. Yeah. Oh, it's a- and then it also do other things like, I teach and you know, also you gotta, you gotta keep earning money while you're doing that. Yeah. Um, so what can people expect, uh, to see at your booth when you come down to, uh, the Imperial Valley Comic Con? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. So I, um, I'll have my graphic novel, the first one, which I was hoping I had a copy here, but, um, I'll have, uh, I have, a, I do a lot of stickers, uh, buttons. I do prints, you know, large 11 by 17 prints of the Alberto characters. Um, and I'm gonna try to bring some of these. Oh, dude. The, uh, the they're getting harder to find every day. The DVD, uh, the movie based on the comic. Which yeah. I'm sure we can talk about that later, whenever you want. But so yeah, I'll be there at the at the uh, convention. Um, I'm doing a workshop, oh. a kids, uh, yeah, kids uh, comic workshop where I do a lesson plan. Kids do their own, make their own comic, and I'm gonna be on a panel. Uh, I forgot what it's called, Latinx and Hispanic superheroes, I think. So it would be a panel of me and a couple other creators. We're going to be talking about kind of what you're asking us, asking me, you know, about making uh, Latino-themed her- characters and stories and such. Mm-hmm. Um, you're also a teacher. Um, where where do you teach and what ages or what what is it? That- yeah, so I, I've been teaching. Uh, I teach comic book classes. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say cooking classes or something, but no, no, I, uh, everything I do is comics one way or the other. I teach, uh, comic book, uh, classes here in, uh, throughout Los Angeles County or wherever they'll, wherever they have me. Um, library, I teach at libraries, uh, museums. I also work for schools. Um, you know, as an independent contractor, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not there at the school every day. Mm-hmm. Just come in like for their after school programming. Um, but yeah, I love teaching comics, um, especially to kids because, with the kids, it's like an easier thing. You're like you're just showing them the fundamentals, and then they just kind of they just kind of attack it. It's because I think my process is so um, like the way I make the comics, and I don't mind sharing it with anybody, but I think it's just so individual to me. I don't know if I could teach it to like an adult because mm-hmm. I'd ra- I'd rather that adult, that college age person, whatever. I'd rather make they make the comic the way they're going to make their comic. Yeah. So with the kids, I don't get all the detail in my process. I just kind of show them fundamentals and we get right to it. Um, but you know, I, I worked with older, you know, o- older students, college and up, but I don't know. It's a weird thing about me about, I- I'd rather just keep it really simple and let the, let the student, the young kids do that. Just get into it rather than me trying to explain all my theories on what, cause I don't think, I don't think I should be telling you, well, here's the way you're supposed to lay out the story. Here's the way that it ends. So, yeah, yeah, because even like the way I would record a podcast is my way, and somebody else might think they have a better way to do it. But you know, it's it's their there's their way, just their way to do it, right? Right, right. Hey guys, sorry for the interruption, but it's time to pay some bills. So here's a word from one of our sponsors. All right, so now back to our regularly scheduled podcast. Um, do you think that your do you do any of your art? Like digitally, or is it all, all on you know pencil and paper? Um. So yeah, I okay. Drawing wise, it's all pencil, paper, and ink. Um. But then I scan it, 
and then I love coloring on the computer. So most of my color work is done on the computer. Although I do like coloring with markers, sometimes color markers, but you can tell the, you can tell when I do a marker drawing versus a digitally colored piece. So, um, so I'd say it's about, I don't know if it's 50, 50, but yeah, I work both, you know, every project is done. Half of it's done in the, the real world, drawing and writing and coloring, I mean, drawing by hand and then digitally, I digitally color and I letter digitally, and of course I have to put the book together digitally. So yeah, because then you yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, I haven't got 100% digital, but I'm not against digital. But um, so d- digital is definitely very important to the process, I and mean, I wouldn't be able to do my comics probably without you know the digital uh, stuff we do through computers. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, the movie, the, the DVD you showed us? Um, I know Wilmer Valderrama was the star of, of El Muerto. Yeah, so this is a film that was made in, uh, wow, we filmed it in 2005, and then by the time it got finished and everything, it was 2007, but um, I had done an interview uh, at San Diego Comic-Con, 2003, I think, now, 2001, I don't remember, 2001 maybe, um, with NPR, like, this guy was ahead of his time. He was looking for Latino creators to mm-hmm. interview. Like, that's kind of, that was kind of a new thing back in, I guess, 2001. So I was one of the guys he talked to. And, you know, he did the interview, and then he leaves. And, like, okay, that's cool. I did an interview. Hopefully somebody hears it. And then one of the people who heard it was this uh, filmmaker, Brian Cox. Um, he heard the interview and was kind of interested in the idea, so he got a hold of me through his uh, assistant. And um, it was a real long process, like months and months. And then uh, they wanted to buy some of the comics. I sent it to them. And then later on, they tell me, oh, Brian would like to have a meeting with you. Like, to, you know, like to talk to you, come down to his office. If you... I go, sure, that'd be cool. Obviously, I go, okay, he's a director. So, you know, he picked my brain about it and everything. And um, we decided, yeah, let's uh, make a movie out of this. So, again, months and months, maybe a year or two, you know, get a lawyer and get the producer involved and all this. But... Um, one day in uh, 2005, uh, we're filming at um, just here in north north of LA, uh, the San Fernando Mission, mm-hmm. um, which probably a lot of people have studied in their fourth grade classroom. Right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I mean we're, we're there in the mission, like in the courtyard. It was like probably, I guess, in the morning. I don't remember that first day, but and I'm standing there looking at all these people walking around with the cameras and the like. Man, they're making the movie. Like it's really happening. So, um, I have a cameo in the film. Oh, you know, I asked the, yeah, I asked the director uh, when he had finished one of the drafts of the script. I go, hey, can I play this a small part in there? And he's like, really, you want to? Yeah. So yeah, Stan Lee was doing it at the time, right back in <laughs> yeah. 2005 already. So, um, and I was an associate producer on the film. That was all stuff I had to me and my lawyer put in the contract. Um. And, I, you know, I worked on the film every day. I mean, I just, what people say, what do you do when you work on the film? Well, when you're the creator, you just hang around. Just show up all day and just watch everybody work and just walk around like, man, this is pretty cool. Like, oh, check out Wilbur in the costume and check out so-and-so actor right here. And, yeah, it's pretty, it's very fun. It's like going to film school, but they pick your project for the uh, assignment. <laughs> <laughs> and did you have it, like... Was there anything that you were like, you know what, I don't like that that scene, the way it was shot, or? 
Yeah, that's no, a good question because I, I, I always thought, you know, we, I think we all wonder about that. Like, okay, you're the creator of this thing. So, I mean, no one really gets like creative, like for the most part, right? Creative control on a project. You know, if they wrote, like, ask Stephen King. <laughs> Look how many interviews he does. Like, oh, God, I hated that film. It was horrible, whatever. Um, you, you know, you sign the rights away for that. Not all the rights. You sign it, you give them the rights to make a film or a cartoon, whatever, but you keep the rights to continue making the comics, whatever. But no, I had a good relationship with the director, uh, Brian, who's a writer also. Um, yeah, we had a really good relationship. I mean, I think that's probably why I ultimately signed the contract because I really had trust in him as just as a collaborator. So he always told me, like, every time he wrote a draft of the script, he would send it to me and the producer just for our opinion. Mm. So then you just write down or you email him, whatever, or you go talk to him. Well, you know, like right here, this part here, I'm not sure, da, 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 or, you know. He always told me, he goes, look, if there's everything, if there's ever anything you don't like, tell me, tell me why you don't like it. Don't just say you don't like it, which is true. You know, don't be a, don't be a diva or a big jerk. Like, oh, that sucks. Say, hey, I don't think that works because, you know, this happened here and or whatever, blah, blah, blah. So, and then the other thing was, it's funny he told me this guy, I never would have done this. He goes, yeah, if I'm, you know, once we start filming, um, I gotta shut something off here on my computer. He goes, once we start filming, uh, if there's something you don't, you know, you don't like or you notice, can you just, you know, c- come up to me and tell me, but you know, don't announce it. Like, oh God, no way, I wouldn't do that. Mm. Like, <laughs> like you were saying, like, nah, that was that was a horrible scene. <laughs> you can't, you can't do that. That's just not the way it works because, you know, the director has to control the whole set so but he was always open so come and tell me on the side yeah and there was one time i'm not gonna tell you what it was but (laughs) i'm not gonna tell the the world what it was but there was something being filmed and somebody was doing some lines and then i you know i go to him you know on the side privately the director hey uh he's like yeah i know i know we'll we'll fix that later so (laughs) so yeah you 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 know it was always open yeah it was always open but you wouldn't you wouldn't pull uh, Stephen King and, you know, go out on an interview, interview and say. <laughs> when I sell, like, what, 80 million novels like Stephen King, maybe I have I have that right to scream and go to entertainment tonight and say this was horrible. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because he's a, he's a legend, right? Um, Heavyweight, yeah. Um, so um, besides um, volume two of Vel uh, Muerto, any other upcoming projects that? Uh, people should keep an eye out. Um, so I did something recently here in LA um, for the Department of uh, Mental Health. Um, they're doing they're doing an outreach every year. They do an outreach for like the Latino population because, and you know, being Latino, I'll admit it because Latinos were not very good at dealing with mental health or acknowledging it. You know, like ah, está loquito, you know, or yeah. you know, man up or something. Like oh, there is more to it than just that. There's you know. Um, so they do some outreach, and every year it's a different project. So last year they 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 made an announcement that we're going to do a comic book. I'm like, oh, perfect. So um, I got together with a friend of mine. He runs a, a nonprofit here in LA, like an arts mentorship program, Distal Arts (DSTL). So I go, why don't you apply for it, Lewis? Because it, it's a whole logistical thing. Like we had to arrange, you know, transportation. And you had to arrange a location that's beyond what i wanted i just want to teach the class so he applied for it the grant other people applied we want it thankfully and uh, so he hired me as the instructor for the class and so we had a bunch of kids 
like between I guess sixteen through twenty five um, kids, twenty five real part doesn't <laughs> want to be called a kid, but young people. They'd come in for ten weeks and they'd do a, like a two page comic on the mental health topic of whatever they want to do. It's up to them. You pick the one you want to do. It could be something you're going through or something you know about or something you care about. And um, yeah, so it's going to be published as an anthology, and the county's going to print them up and distribute them throughout the county. Um, so we have the re- uh, like a release party in a few weeks. I'll put that on my Instagram. So that's probably the next thing I got. Oh, that's so cool. yeah, I did a two page comic myself. I did all my, my own little introspective mental health thing. Um, so that that's the next thing coming up, and then the preview book which sometime in the, the spring and then the graphic novel end of the year, there may be one or two things that'll pop up in between. Mm. Um, I, Cause I have so many back issues, backlog, uh, they're out of print. So I, sometimes I'll do a new printing of it. Uh, I have this comic called Cochito, which I ran out, I ran out, of, ran out of them last year, but I'll put it out a new version, a new edition of it. So it's basically a little pig dressed up in a Muerto costume. I don't have a picture of it here with me, but, um, <laughs> Kind of like Spider-Man. Kind of ripping off. Yeah. Kind of, <laughs> when I saw Spider-Verse, what, two years ago now? I don't know when that was. But I think so. I go, hey, what if I, what would a muerto pig look like? And I drew it like, oh, you know what? I have an idea for a quick little story. <laughs> um, so so where, where can people um, follow, you know, your work? Um, do you have a, I know, you, uh, I mean, I, I follow you on Instagram, but I don't know if you have a, a website or, or somewhere that you, you know, keep Yes. If, oh, here we go. I'm all looking for my, um, where's my info? I have it all in the card here. <laughs> yeah, so what? I guess the main thing is you can go to my site, havzilla.com, J-A-V-Z-I-L, like Godzilla, mm-hmm. havzilla.com. So that's my blog, and on the right-hand side, I got links to the Instagram, the Facebook, the Twitter. Um, but if they go to havzilla.com, they can, that's my main landing page, and uh, there's a link to my store on there, so they can order some of these books we talked about and such, or, um, and again, follow me on the social networks because I'm pretty active on those. Mm-hmm. I try to keep people up to date what I'm working on, where I'm going, at what event, whatever. So yeah, that's um, that's where I, I follow you, and I, I saw that you you know whenever you're going to any conventions or whatnot, you you pretty much post that information there. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Being an independent artist, even if you're working for a company, but you got to get the word out. And man, mm-hmm. we're so lucky nowadays that we do have all these, and they're all free. These social networks. Yeah. So. There's no reason any independent artist, any independent creator, um, you know, people can't find them or find out about them by having these various, you know, I do Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, so th- that's a blessing that we didn't have back in 1998 when I started doing comics. Mm-hmm. So all you uh, creators out there, you know, take advantage of all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess right now the base, the biggest social media platform is Instagram. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah. I hate to make any big announcements about it because then, like, in three years, it'll be some new thing. Like, oh, that's the but. No, you're right. Instagram is definitely. I guess because it's so quick, or you just get up, you get on there, post the image, and then Facebook, you get on there and you start reading all these things and get distracted by this or that, and it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's not as much going on in the sides or people post. Yeah, that's. And the thing is that I think Facebook has become more like a like a uh, Craigslist where people just are selling stuff. Like at least for me, it's like you know people selling this and this and this and this. 
Um, really? But, that's interesting. You, you get a lot of that in your feeds, huh? Yeah. And I think it's my fault uh, because okay. I subscribe to these groups where, you know, uh, Imperial Valley Garage or whatnot. But No, no. That's the evil stuff about these, uh, what do you call it? What do they call it? Uh, not the logistics, but the logarithms. Yeah. Oh, this guy likes buying and selling. So, yeah, you get flooded with that stuff on your thing. Yeah. I got a lot of comic book posts from, you know, creators. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's kind of scary how much they, um, well, that's all on the topic, though, how these, uh, the Skynet thing, this living, uh, sentient, um, internet can track you. And, you know, it's funny, like, you go to, like, I'll look at a book on, on eBay or, or Amazon, like, oh, this is neat. And then I go back to, okay, I got to go back here and, you know, read this news article, you know, on a website, a, a serious article, but then you see the little ads. Hey, here's that book. Yeah. Remember you, why are you following me? <laughs> it's like the eBay ad or the, it's like, whoa. Yeah. That's, that's bizarre. Has it ever happened to you where you, you say something like you're having a conversation with somebody and you're like, Oh, you know what? I need to go buy some oil or whatever. And then you'll get it on your, like you'll see oil on your phone. I've heard a lot of people have been, they always mention that to me now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure it's happened to me, but I know people have said, Oh, you know what? I was talking to, you know, my mom the other day about cornflakes and that's kind of like, wow. Yeah. So you're listening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys are listening. <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's obvious that they're listening, but it's just like, yeah, you don't put two and two. And when it does happen to you, cause it, it's happened to me a couple of times and I'm like, Oh crap, that's, that's scary. But no, no, right. That's exactly what I was talking about. This thing, and there it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Buy me, buy me. I know. It's scary. Um, so, is there any, anything else that um, you would like to uh, uh, talk about that I didn't touch? You know, in, in this. I, I'm gonna buy in. I'm gonna buy into that. Though. I'm gonna get some developer people to like whenever whenever people mention muertos or <laughs> Latino superhero, whatever. It's like El Muerto comic. <laughs> hey, everyone else is doing it. Yeah, why not? Huh. Why not? Why not? Um, no, I mean, like I said, it's going to be great to go down to Calahico. I don't know if I've ever been there. I have to ask my parents. Because um, we used to go to Mexicali because my dad was there. So mm-hmm. I remember we used to go to Mexicali when we were younger. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to ask them. Go, hey, dude, I assume we probably went through Calexico. Anyway, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to going back down there because I've not been in that area mm-hmm. in a real long time. So you got to shoot me an email or something. Let me know the, the good places to eat. Oh, there's a lot. Right? But yeah. The locals always know the good. You know, I don't want that chain crap. I want like oh, no. some good mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of um, mom and pop shops here that you know you'll. I know you'll enjoy. Um, and <laughs> plus, you're coming um, in the good weather because normally it's like 100 and something degrees, and it'll probably be like I think 80 degrees is the forecast for Saturday. So, oh, so it's really hot. Now, okay, I guess I haven't been there. Yeah, it's. I mean, during the summer, um, it could get up to 120 maybe on a on a bad day. Man. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Even for like someone from LA, that now nah, you know what one twenty is way too much. Yeah, I mean, I think the highest that I've like experienced is like one hundred and twenty something. Yeah. Wow. But but yeah, you're coming like during the good good weather because <laughs> it's right here. It's either like super hot or it's like that dry cold that hurts. Um, okay. We had two like today's getting a little bit warmer, but yesterday was like. It was like 50, but it's that cold that, you know, the wind hurts like when it hits your, your skin. So Oh, yeah, yeah. So we have those two extremes, but you came in that, you know, you're going to have a good yeah, day no, here. That little pocket. Well, thank you, Ruben, for doing it in uh, <laughs> February. Yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, um, what's the um, what's the scene down there as far as um, yeah, pop culture and comics and all that from your point of view? Um, just me <laughs> I think that I mean being somebody that I mean my podcast isn't like uh, I, I for a while I had a podcast where it was me and my friend and we would talk about pop culture stuff, um, mainly right. comics, video games, cartoons, uh, toys, and stuff like that. Um, this is more, you know, uh, local events and stuff like that. This new podcast that I'm doing right now. But um, being somebody that's into, like, pop culture, that's into, like, toys and comics and cartoons and stuff right. like that, um, I feel that there's a, a big... Um, s- since we have uh, Mexicali, Mexicali, there's, like, a million people across the border. Um, right. They take advantage of events like this. You know, they'll come and, you know, th- they know that people from the outside are going to come in and bring, you know... Yeah. Um, their art and stuff like that. So the, the, you'll get a lot of people from down south coming coming down to to El Centro because the event is going to be in, in El Centro. Um, I, right. I live in Calexico, but the event is in El Centro. Okay. Um, uh, but yeah, I think you'll get you know there's a big crowd here in the valley, but Mexicali will bring a lot of, of people um, down and 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 you know walk around and see you know talk to the people there. But yeah, I think there's a there's a good um, good chunk of people that. That are that are into comics, that are into um, you know pop culture, that you know right. like this this kind of stuff. Um, there are a couple of cosplayers here and there. Um, so yeah, I think I think it'll be a good turnout. Um, I think people are gonna. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if in the past they've had uh, some someone like you that's um, Hispanic that you know is focused on you know uh, doing um, comics that are. Based on Hispanic culture, so I think that'll be a uh, something new. I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's going to be something new, something that they'll enjoy. Yeah, you know, it's always interesting for me to meet um, like uh, Mexican readers from you know Mexico, just fans, whatever, because it's like, you know, I'm doing a lot of stuff based on you know their culture, like their ancient mythology, mm. but it's from the point of view of being a Mexican American. So that's always kind of interesting to see that. Yeah, in fact, I was on the. That, well, I was on a panel one time in um, Dallas last year, Texas, or two years ago. And there was three of us. There was a couple of us on the panel. We were Mexican-American. And there was this one artist. She was from Mexico. And me and this other guy were talking about our comics. And we were doing a lot of stuff with the mythology and stuff. And she – it was her. her she, she made a comment. She was like, well, that's kind of interesting how you guys were born here. You know, American – raised Americans, even though you're Mexican background – how interested you are in like the Aztec mythology. She's on Mex cause she was, she was doing like fantasy art, but it wasn't based on Mexico. It was just kind of like, you know, um, I don't want to see, I don't want to mischaracterize it. Lord of the Rings type, you know, like just fantasy. And uh, she was interested. She, she's not interested in that me and him were really interested in, you mm-hmm. know, the culture down South. Whereas in Mexico, maybe I, I see more and more of that comics. Now I see a lot of the younger artists from Mexico doing, um, like Aztec Mayan stories. In fact, some of them are even drawn in the anime style. Oh, okay. Because I watched a trip seeing like Aztec or Mayan characters and gods with the anime style. <laughs> I mean, I love that though. It just shows like those kids, they grew up with anime. Like you're talking about Dragon Ball Z and, you know, whatever we grew up with, Pokemon or Speed Racer in my case. So, yeah, it, it's just interesting to see how culture or pop culture, whatever you want to call it, how it just gets 
shared, influenced, reinterpreted, and kind of melded together in this new thing. So yeah, and 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 it's uh, I mean I, it's funny that she was in um, into like the you know Hispan- uh, Mexican culture. She was drawing something else, and I think it's yeah. it's it's something that. Um, I think you know, be, being somebody that lives in the border, and and and, and I when I when I grew up, I used to go to Mexicali a lot. You know, most of my family yeah. is there, and it's not it's not something that is talked about a lot. You know, the I think I think I've heard it more. Like I've learned more from um, the, the like the Aztecs and stuff like that from the Chicano uh, people that I talk to that are Me- yeah. Mexican Americans than I, than I do from my cousins or people that I've dealt in Mexicali. Um, right. I think it's maybe um, more down South. Maybe there's more people that are into that, that I, they're, they're still trying to um, keep that culture alive. But um, right. in the border, it's like, it's not that common to, to hear. I think they're more into um, uh, cultural figures like uh, Miguel, Hidalgo, Miguel Hidalgo or Pancho Villa, but not, um, yeah, yeah not um like acid roots and stuff like that it's interesting yeah uh, how that works yeah but yeah so I, I'm be part of it. I think i think now that that you mention it um it would be um fun to see a comic and like an anime con comic but with um dealing with astics and, and and you know all these gods and stuff like that that's right. a good idea to to uh maybe somebody's already doing it maybe like if somebody is you know um, let me know so I can I can see it. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you a link or two. There's uh, at least one or, that, I, that I'm aware of. But yeah, it's a it's a, it's a growing little subgenre, I guess, or mm-hmm. a burgeoning uh, thing. Yeah. So, um, anything else that you would like to add before we we end our our conversation? Uh, the, the, just one last little teaser for the next book, The Casa del Diablo. So, um, it's it starts off where Diego. El Muerto, he's driving from across from Mexicali to Tijuana, so he's going through La, La Rumerosa. Yeah. That, so there, I always wanted to go through there. The, uh, I don't say, I don't know if it's, is it a haunted highway? You know, there's always stories about it. But, um, uh, well, there's a, cause there's, now there's two roads. One that's, uh, right. like safer, but the one that's the old road, um, is really yeah. dangerous. So there's a lot of accidents. I mean, I don't know. There might be, uh, some, you know, stories about you know operations or hauntings or whatever but yeah, but yeah, yeah i mean there's been a lot of accidents a lot of deaths in that in that road so i wouldn't be surprised if there's anything that, if there isn't anything there well my story takes place on there and you know he there's this woman her child gets kidnapped from hikali her baby newborn and she's on the road across la rumorosa to find you know she heard something that there's some crazy woman who's kidnapped children for decades and but the police can never find the house. You know, they've searched, the army has searched. But her and Diego, they he helps, they team up and they go up this one mountain, mountain of madness. And um, there's this, there's this giant haunted Spanish hacienda on top of one of the mountains that no one has ever seen. And that's where they got to go find the baby. So there's a little preview for your audience there. Awesome, awesome. Well, it's, 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 Really cool that that you're incorporating, you know, things that we we can relate to. So I think that uh it'll be a hit. Then and, and, and you know once people get to know that, you know that comic is gonna uh, that uh, graphic novel is gonna have, you know this highway that we all grew up knowing and and might have a hidden story. You never know. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, and, I mean, and, and, then the, and then the third book, the one after, he ends up in Tijuana because he's trying to find a curandero to help him with his um, this curse he has. So anyway, yeah, I'll have to keep uh, going through Imperial Valley and the rest of the border area in the next two years and just really go, hey, check out these graphic novels here. It's kind of based right here along your uh, your stretch of the uh, of the border. So. Yeah, and do you have any plans of maybe translating it? Yeah, no, uh, no, no, I gotta have a date yet, like a plan. But no, the thought, yes, I have to translate these uh, books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll um, that'll be a good a good um, way to reach out to you know the our our neighbors who are across the border. Right. No, definitely. Yeah, something that's definitely it's on the agenda. I just haven't figured out you know who's gonna do it, and you know got to pay the person because translation is a it's a legitimate skill. So you want you want it done right. But uh, yeah, no, thanks for mentioning that. But yeah. Uh, I'm gonna have El Muerto in Espanol for sure one of these days. Yeah, <clears throat> awesome, awesome. Um, well, Javier, um, we've been at it for like an hour now. Um, wow, the time always these podcasts it just like disappears in a in an hour. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, people always tell me like, oh, I don't know what to say. I'm like, dude, don't worry about it. You know, um, you know, I know you have stories for days, and and you're gonna be good. So like, yeah, I mean, time flies when you know. Especially when you're talking about you know stuff that you enjoy and 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 you know when it's a, like your passion you know it, it yeah you can talk for days and and you wouldn't even notice it but yeah um thank you so much for taking this time um and and being on the podcast um hopefully I'll be down at the Imperial Valley Comic Con um and maybe meeting you in person um, that'd be great but yeah um shout out to once again to um Nahera for Ruben Nahera for putting this on um shout out to all the co- uh, the artists that are going to be there. Um, the cosplayers, the vendors, everybody that's going to be part of this event. Um, and yeah, Imperial Valley and Mexicali, uh, make sure to um, save the date. It's Saturday, uh, February 15th. Um, it's going to be at the, I think the uh, Martin Luther King Pavilion in El Centro. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know the times from where, from what time to what time? I, I want to say 10 is 7, but they can look it up. Yeah. Um, make sure to follow Imperial Valley Comic Con on Instagram. Um, or um, metahumans.com, their website. Um, that's Ruben's website. Um, and make sure to follow Javier. Um, what's your, your Instagram and all your social media? Yeah, the Instagram is uh, Javier Los Comics. J-A-V-I-E-R-L-O-S-C-O-M-E-X. And then your website? Uh, Havzilla.com. Okay. And I'll put links of, of all of this on you know the description of the podcast and also... Whenever I post it in social media, um, I'll put links to all that. Um, but yeah, um, Javier, thank you once again for taking this time. Um, I really appreciate it. You know, I got to learn a lot from you know, um, you know, your art and your books, and 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 I'll, I'll definitely keep an eye out. And yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll sure to uh, once we have uh, volume two with La Romorosa in there, I'll make sure to you uh-huh. know, let everybody know so that you know they can keep an eye out and and you know go out and buy it. So yeah, thank cool, you guys. Man. You'll say- no, you're welcome. Thank you for taking the time. And um, yeah, thank you guys for listening and we'll see you on the next one. <laughs>